Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. This is Right Now-ish, and I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. What do you think about love? We're not talking that Disney stuff. Nah, we're talking about self-love, tough love, hippie love, and romance built on arts and community. Yeah, we're talking about big love, Right Now-ish. This month, we're bringing you a four-part series all about love. To get this train on track, we're checking in with someone who is both a scholar and a practitioner of self-love, A.B. Banks. I knew about A.B. through their community service work with the People's Programs, which serves unsheltered folks providing medical care, groceries, and more. An extension of A.B.'s community work is teaching folks about self-love, how to conceptualize it, and how to apply it in real life. A.B. studied the craft and has been practicing for years. Now they're using social media to share guidance through meditation and reminders about the importance of accountability, as well as positive affirmations. Some days are going to be bad days. If we didn't have those bad days, though, your lit-ass days wouldn't be as lit. So if you're having a bad day, have it. Experience it. See what your body's trying to tell you. AB just launched a podcast called Mad Chill Meditations. It's all about making self-love more accessible by simply putting the tools out there for the people who need them the most. So today, we talk about self-love, what people get wrong about it, and how, ultimately, it's a revolutionary act. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. I wanted to hit you with the hard question out the gate, if I can. Yes, please. What's your definition of love? Been thinking about this. Okay, okay. So I came up with a couple of definitions, but the one that really I'm holding to is, is the passion to do the right thing and to practice it. How'd you land on that? thinking about all the moments where I was like in love or deep in love, not even just like with a significant other, but just like acting out love, you know? 
And it was always me doing the right thing with the passion. You're talking about the act of loving someone else is the ability to hold them accountable. I think that plays a role as well. You mentioned explicitly like loving others, but when it comes to loving yourself, how does your definition of self-love tie into that? To me, my definition of sin is going against yourself. So self-love is me doing the right thing, waking up, drinking water, you know, not immediately grabbing my phone, um, doing the morning routine, meditating, stretching. These are all things that we know, like internally for most of us that we should be doing. So that's self-love, you know. Meditation is literally just being in the present moment and not judging anything or anyone around you, you know? So if you're doing that, shaving your beard, that's meditation. Walking, as long as you're present. It's fascinating to me because I'm, I'm familiar with your work from, you know, the community work that you do. And so talking to you about love and, and meditation is, um, it's like, I'm on the edge of my seat, you know? And with that said, how does self-love tie into community work? Is it a communal act? Mmm. Mm. Yes, yes. Self-love is a communal act. I feel like people feel like you have to do self-love alone, but experiencing self-love in a whole, in a group, in a community is the, one of the most powerful things. Like I'm thinking about Ramadan, for example. You fast in, in a group setting, you know, in the global setting. And that is like fasting is like one of the highest forms of self-love for me. If you find a community to take a journey of self-love with, I think that amplifies it for sure. I got to go back to that. Fasting is the highest form of self-love. One of the is what you said. I say that because like when I have fasted, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it doesn't feel like self-love. I feel you. Look, okay. This is the thing about not just Ramadan, but fasting. Your purpose has to be aligned, right? But then also... Without the prayer, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> but, you know, my prayer, I meditate. So instead of praying to Allah or God, I meditate five times a day. And that really realigns me to be grateful, to be thankful. You don't have no time for games. You, you quickly realize what the right thing to do in those moments. There's no games, like, no laughter, like, just like... <laughs> It's real. It's really real. It's between me and my higher power. Exactly. Exactly. Like, if we're a reflection of whatever holy power you believe in, if you're a reflection of that, you got to know that you need to put some material work in. All of it, all my work stems back to that, the action. That's why the practice of doing the right thing, you know, the passion, but the practice, to practice it, because love is a verb. Revolution is one of the most radical forms of self-love to me. Being real with yourself about what's going on outside and not pushing under the rug, not pretending like it's not happening, but actually doing material things to shift it. You said it. I mean, you go from that higher esoteric spiritual world to like, where does the rubber meet the road? Like, what's happening right outside the door? I'm, all, I'm here on this earth, you feel me? And I want to make sure, like, if I see somebody starving outside... That is gonna go directly against my love, self-love. You feel me? I can't visually watch this and not do anything and then have so all this self-love for my you know what I'm saying? Like I need to be material as well. Cause I'm a materialist. I'm a dialectic materialist. Dialectic materialist. I'm full of definitions, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Break it down. 
being on this material earth, right? You think about stuff going on right outside our door. Like it's not it's not an idea that there's homeless people. There's actually homeless people out there. We, you know, so that's the material part that I'm not thinking about. Oh, capitalism it it do work in theory. It's not working in practice. It's not working in the material world. You feel me? And then the dialectic part is that things are changeable and things do change every day. We get pigeonholed into thinking like, well, we don't know if socialism is going to work, so let's let's not try it. We've never seen that change before. That, that change is scary. But things change every day. So we can have faith that if we change something, that we can make that work. We can make a world where there's no homeless people because things are always changing. The act of really figuring out a solution for me is where the love comes in. For me, because I would be messed up inside myself if I didn't go find that answer, you know? Giving back is my work in terms of self-love. Your work with the People's Program. What What is the People's Program? What's your work there? And how does self-love tie into it? We are the West Oakland. We are a Black socialist organization doing decolonization programs, thinking about ways to really create sustainable programs for our people, by our people. So we got like a clinic. We give out food every Sunday. We give out groceries every other Friday. We got a garden. We got a legal program. We got political education. All of our donations come from the people. We serve the shelterless or the homeless community in West Oakland, which is like a big a big group of folks that really need our presence. I personally, I work with the clinic, so I make sure you know, we got doctors, we got nurses, you know, enough volunteers to keep the clinic going. And then I also am the garden lead. So I handle all things with our garden and our urban farm in West Oakland with the with the aim and the focus to get produce from the garden into the grocery boxes. It's stepping back a little bit. So how did how did you first learn that self-love is necessary and radical? What were you doing? How did it all hit you? I was in college and I was burnt Oh, and I, I used to be one of those people that'd be like, nah, man, I got an essay to do. I got this deadline. Da, da, da. I can't meditate right now. You know, like, what? That seems like such a waste of time. I, like, got so burnt out that I was, like, so anxious and depressed. And I was like, something's got to give. Something's got to give. And I spent the rest day. I took a whole day full of rest in the midst of, like, midterms. So it was just like... <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm going full out. I want to go fishing. <laughs> it was weird because I don't really fish like that. I was so <laughs> thrilled. I went fishing. And in that moment, I was like, right, I feel better already. <laughs> I, feel, I feel better already. I could have did this weeks ago and I probably would have been in a better position for my midterms. And then I got on this stuff where I was like, I need to do something at least every day. And then I started doing it. I started waking up and I did like morning routine. You know, I just wake up, drink some water and stretch. You can't really pour from an empty cup. You can't, like you have to fill your cup. Like there's no way around it. And then I started reading Grace Lee Boggs, who is 
on that vibe, like, yo, like, you want to be a revolutionary, but you, you don't even love yourself. It's just like, you know, I start really, like, reading and getting into it. And then I realized, like, how are we going to take care of each other? We don't even take care of ourselves. And then I looked around at the conditions that most of my folks were in. Like, we just running ourselves ragged. To be a revolutionary and to have enough stamina to keep going in the in the face of all the real world stuff going on out there. So this is a necessity. It just clicked for me like that. Just like, Loki, I, I can't do this forever. I can't keep giving back if, I, if I'm not straight, if I'm not good. So started that journey. It was like 2014, 2015. Been on it ever since. Following that train of thought, what, what do people get wrong about self-love? I think people think there's a certain way to do it. People are like, man, we get in my hair. That's not self-love. Self-love can be anything in the world. As long as it's making you happy, you're present, and you're not judging yourself. And then people also put a quota, like a time on it. Like, oh, it has to be all day. It takes three deep breaths right now. That's self-love. That's a love note to your body. You know, you can take one deep breath. You know what I'm saying? Right before you get your, your life together, you got all these errands to run. Look yourself in the mirror. Take a deep breath. Gratitude. Say three things you're grateful for. I feel like people want to want to figure out like all these other ways, but it's less complex than you think. It makes so much sense when you break it down like that. I, I'm a big fan of laying on the ground in, inside my house. <laughs> Let's be clear. I'm not that far. I'm not like barefoot walk around the world yet. <laughs> but, you know, stressful days in between meetings or phone calls, I lay down on the ground just for like two minutes, take a couple of deep breaths, get away from my phone. All right, get back to it. That's amazing. Being on the ground closer to the earth, that's a good yeah. one. I'm going to add that to my toolbox. I also have a toolbox just full of things. You know what I'm saying? I go in there, pick stuff out. It's not like, you know, I do the same thing every time. Like, oh, I'm sad. Let me do this because I know it works. Like, no, let me go to my toolbox. You just add one new one in there. Maybe I'll try that one next, you know? Yeah, diversify your approach. Exactly. You doing that work. You doing the reading, the research, thinking, the meditation. You have even traveled. Tell me about the trip to Thailand and how that was a, a turning point, especially in terms of your connection to meditation. So I get to Thailand. I already have like a little foundation of meditation or whatever. These guys, they monks. Like <laughs> <laughs> These guys. Woke me up. They was yeah. like, first thing first, the meditation is silent. You can't make eye contact with nobody. So that alone gave me a paradigm shift. Like a really deep look into yourself. They saying stuff like we doing, we doing walking meditation, we do eating meditation, we do everything meditation. Back to back to back all day. Then we did a sound bath. You know what I'm saying? Just like fully drenched myself in meditation. I felt so good afterwards. And like the last thing the monk said was, you need to meditate every day. That's how he ended it. No jokes, no games, no explanation. You need to meditate every day. Now I meditate every day because it's just like, I really feel like my brain deserves it. My brain be going hard and I reward my brain by doing that. So that trip to Thailand really changed my life. I know I struggled with self-confidence and sometimes still do. And 
if I were a younger me, I would instill that confidence. That would be my message of self-love. And so I'm wondering, you, if you could speak to young AB, what message of self-love would you send to younger you? Ooh, young AB. You know, I always say this thing. I always say this like mantra. And it's simple, but it makes a lot of sense to me. It goes, you are enough, you have enough, and you do enough. Thank you, A.B., for your time, for your energy, for your work, for your reminder to all of us. You have enough, you do enough. You can find A.B.'s podcast on YouTube. Just search for Mad Chill Meditations. I'm really juiced. Like, I'm really excited to, like, offer a toolbox for revolutionaries and even people that don't even do the revolutionary work. I think meditation is important and I want everybody to know that they have access that is right there for them. Also check out their social media pages. They're full of reminders of self-love and personal worth. Find more on that at Mad Chill Meditations on Instagram and TikTok. Marisol Medina Cadena is the producer of this show. Jessica Plachik is the editor. Our engineer is Syl Muller. Our engagement team is made up of Ashley Ng, Justin Ebrahimi, and Rhea Garawal. Kiana Mogram is the interim head of podcasts. KQED execs are David Marcus and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw, letting you all know that self-love is indeed a form of community service. Yeah. Peace. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.